Well, good morning. I'm Adrian. Glad to be here with you uh, this morning to continue our series on the pursuit. You know, a series all about pursuing God. And I hope that, that you guys have been enjoying it. You know, we've put this up on the screen before, kind of those three essential parts of pursuing God, trusting Jesus, honoring God, and making disciples. And, and I wanted to share this morning to kind of start out just sharing some of the, the things that kind of have hit me throughout this, this series as we've started. You know, we, we started with kind of laying some groundwork. And the, the thing that jumped out to me was the idea that God is pursuing us, that God is pursuing us before we even start pursuing him, and that he actually gave us a reliable source of truth to, to discover who he is and to discover how to pursue him and how to honor him with our life. You know, and, you know, as we kind of started after that groundwork, we started talking about what it means to trust in Jesus. And that's where we talked about the, the problem that we have, that we're born with a broken relationship with God, that we're born disconnected from God, and that the only way for us to actually have a relationship with God is, is putting our trust in Jesus. But we described that trust as, as saving faith. And remember, we described it as kind of a, a two-sided coin, that there's two sides of, of saving faith. One is the right information, right? Understanding that we're broken, that we can't fix ourselves. Understanding that it's only through Jesus Christ, right? God in the flesh who gave his life so that we could be forgiven of our sins and have a relationship with God. But it's combining that right information with the right attitude, and that was the attitude of repentance, right? That, that deciding not to continue to live our lives, chasing after our own, our own ideas and our own feelings, but, but turning from that, turning from that sinful nature and following after God and his truth. And you know that uh, the Bible talks about how when that happens, when we put our, our trust in God, kind of things change in our life, right? And we go from trusting Jesus to honoring God. And, and I love the way that, that the Bible describes this transformation that takes place inside of our hearts. In, in 2 Corinthians 5.15, it says this, it says, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Right? No longer living for ourselves. This, this transformation that is taking place is we're no longer living for ourselves. Again, following after those, those, our own ideas and our own feelings, but following after God, living to honor God. It goes on, in verse 17, and it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. A new life has begun. You know, the Bible describes it as being born again, right? 
being transformed from the inside out. Now, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're perfect, right? It doesn't mean that we, we never struggle with old habits and sinful desires, but this is what it does mean. I've heard it said like this, being freed from sinful habits and forming in us a Christ-like desire, attitudes, and behavior, right? The Bible calls this being transformed into the image of Christ, transformed into the image of Christ. That's what it means to live our lives to honor God, and we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about that, living our lives to honor God, but today we're going to kick that off by talking about something that every single one of us can do the moment that we put our trust in Jesus Christ. There's a decision that we can make that honors God and glorify God, glorifies God, and that is baptism. You know, uh, baptism is considered one of, uh, you know, one of the important practices or, or ordinance of the church, but there, there tends to be a lot of confusion about baptism. And so I want to mention, go through about five things that I think is important to understand about baptism today. And the first is that baptism doesn't save you. You know, sadly, there are churches who teach that not only do you have to put your trust in Jesus to be saved, to, to have a relationship with God, but they also teach that you have to be baptized as well. Now, the problem with that is, is that the Bible doesn't speak to that. The Bible, you can't find in the Bible where it says that you have to be baptized in order to have a relationship with God. As a matter of fact, the Bible speaks about just the opposite, just the opposite of that. You know, it's um, the, a story that kind of connects to that is the crucifixion. When, when Jesus was raised up on that cross to die, where he gave his life for, for our sins, right? He, he wasn't crucified alone. He was actually crucified with, with two criminals, right? One on his left and one on his right. And when, those, when they were all raised up there, dying, being crucified, the people that were witnessing this crucifixion and the religious leaders that were standing by were, were mocking Jesus, right? They were making fun of Jesus. They were prodding him and, and telling him, well, if you're the God, if, if you're the son of God, bring yourself down from that cross, well, you know, the, one of the criminals actually kind of joined in with them, we're told, that he joined in and kind of echoed that same ridicule and said, yeah, if, if you're God, save yourself, and while you're at it, why don't you save us too? But you see, there was the other criminal, the one that was on the other side of Jesus, and something was happening in that criminal's heart. Something was happening inside that criminal. And, and, and instead of, of mocking him like the other guy, this is how he responds in Luke chapter 23, verse 40. He says, 
Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. You see, what happened in the heart of this criminal is, is he experienced saving faith. He had put his trust in Jesus Christ. And we see it in his response. Remember that saving faith is having the right information with the right attitude. He acknowledged that, that he was a sinner. He, he recognized that, that he was deserving of death and that he could not save himself, that he couldn't fix his problem. And he trusted and believed that Jesus was indeed God and we know that by when he says that when you, when you come to your kingdom, he knew Jesus was dying on that cross. But he knew Jesus was going to overcome that cross. Now, if the Bible taught that baptism was required in order to be saved, in order to have a relationship with God, Jesus could not have given this man that guarantee that he would be with him in heaven. You see, the Bible teaches that we are saved by Jesus Christ alone, by putting our trust in Jesus alone, nothing else. Look what it says in Romans chapter 3. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. You see, it doesn't say that we're made right with God by putting our trust in Jesus and being baptized. It says we're made right with God by putting our trust in Jesus alone. Because it was Jesus' death that paid the penalty for our sin. So baptism doesn't contribute anything to our salvation. And so if it doesn't, why is baptism so important to the church? Why does the church make baptism so important if it doesn't contribute to our salvation? Well, I believe one reason is that Jesus said to be baptized Right when, when Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, the, the final days of his physical ministry here on earth, right? He, he told his disciples this. He said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, these are the, the followers, his disciples, the ones that, that Jesus was leaving to build the church, right? To, to, to be the leaders of the church. And he tells them, go out and share the good news of me. Share the good news that I gave my life and that anybody that puts their trust in me, they will be forgiven of their sins and have a relationship with God. 
He says, share that good news with everybody in the world. And then he adds, and then when they put their trust in me, when they, when they put their trust in me and become children of God, he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, many people would read this as, as not a request from Jesus, but an actual command from Jesus to his disciples, a command from Jesus to the church to baptize those who put their trust in Jesus. And so I believe that by extension, right, if, if, if Jesus is telling the church to baptize the people that, that they share his good news with, and those people put their trust in Jesus, and he says, baptize them, by extension, Jesus is telling us, when we put our trust in Jesus, that we should be baptized, that we should be baptized. You know, I can't, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, I can't completely sit up here and say I completely understand why, why, why Jesus put such importance on baptism. I'm trying to grasp it. You know, I, I, I'm trying to grasp it. But if it was this important to Jesus for him to command it, it probably should be important to us as well. While we're trying to understand why it's so important. Well, if Jesus commanded it, then it makes sense that baptism would be an act of obedience. And in this case, I, I would say an early act of obedience. You know, when we put our trust in, in Jesus Christ, remember the Bible says that we become a new creation, right? That we're transformed from the inside out. But it's, it's not something that, it, it, we're, we're not all of a sudden perfect, like I said, right? It, it, it's a process that while we're pursuing God, Right? While we're, we've put our trust in Jesus and now we're pursuing God by, by reading his word, right? That reliable source that he provided to us to discover who he is. That's where we, what we go to to discover what pleases him. That's where we go to to discover and learn what honors him. While we fellowship with God in prayer and deepen our relationship with him, while we fellowship with other believers, one another, while we're pursuing God, we grow in our understanding of what pleases him, what honors him, and what doesn't. You know, while we're going through that process, we're going to continue to struggle a little bit with kind of old sinful habits. You know, the kind of the, the old habits of the way maybe that we treat people, right? Old habits of the way we, we think, and even old desires now that we've been freed from. We've been freed from those sinful desires, but we have habits. You know, but what better way, what better way to start this new life when you put your trust in Jesus by, by stepping into this act of obedience and being baptized? You know, sometimes people get the idea that you're supposed to wait or that you need to wait you know, the idea that maybe I don't know enough about the Bible yet to be baptized. I put my trust in Jesus. He saved me. But, I, but for some reason, I feel like I need to know a little bit more before I get baptized. 
Or, or maybe this idea that there's some kind of probationary period. You know, you've got you've to go 30 days at least before you can get baptized. You see examples all throughout the Bible of people being baptized right after they put their trust in Jesus. You know, in Acts chapter 2, when, when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and he shared God's truth with the people that had gathered for Pentecost, the Bible tells us that 3,000 people put their trust in Jesus that day and were baptized. We see a, a similar story in Acts chapter 8 with a, a story about this Ethiopian eunuch. Right, and, and Philip was kind of was, was moved by the Holy Spirit to walk next to this carriage that this, this eunuch was in. And he heard this eunuch reading the Bible. And he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? The eunuch was like, no, unless somebody tells me, how am I supposed to know? So Philip ended up riding with this eunuch, sharing with him the good news of Jesus Christ that Jesus died for him and that if he puts his trust in Jesus, he could have a relationship with God. And the eunuch put his trust in Jesus. And when we read in uh, Acts chapter 8, this is what the eunuch said to Philip after he put his trust in, in Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. You see, Philip didn't say, well, well, hold on, you need to finish reading the Bible first. Philip didn't say, wait, wait a minute, There's a, we've got to go 30 days first, make sure this is real before you can get baptized. No. Philip went down to the water and baptized him himself. You see, I believe Philip knew that what better way for this eunuch to experience this new life that he had just stepped into, this new life that he had just received by putting his trust in Jesus, than having him uh, experience the, this, this act of obedience, the excitement, the joy, and the satisfaction that we get when we honor God with our life. What better way to do that than right when he put his trust in Jesus, have him be baptized in obedience. You see, baptism is an act of obedience to God. Baptism is also an act of identification. You know, sadly, throughout history, baptism has been used to, to elevate and, and kind of grant certain people uh, rights over others and different things. It's, it's also been used by some churches or denominations, um, you know, as a, as a thing that's like, um, like, like this baptism identifies you with this group or that group. See, God never intended baptism to be used like that. God never intended baptism to, to elevate people over one another. You know, there's an interesting passage in Romans chapter 6. 
And it's, it's Paul kind of addressing this idea of this new life. And, you know, to be honest with you, like, I have to read this passage a lot of times because sometimes it, it gets a little confusing because the way he's doing it sometimes seems a little bit odd, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to explain it to you. So he's, he, he's saying that when we put our trust in Jesus, right, this is Paul talking to the Roman church, and he's saying, when we put our trust in Jesus, we're transformed, we're made new, right? We're, we're no longer under the power of sin in our life. We don't live under the power of sin anymore, right? He's saying, now we live under the power of God's grace and forgiveness, right? And, and what he's talking about is because Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, We've been, and we put our trust in him, we've been freed from our sinful nature, right? And now we're living under the grace that's that unmerited favor that God has given us and forgiven us, right? So we're living under grace. So, so our forgiveness shows people how gracious God is, how, how wonderful God is. And then he asked this question. So should we keep on sinning then so that people see how gracious God is? And what he means is, is if, we keep, if we just live our lives not worrying about honoring God with our lives, we just keep living our lives the same, sinning, if we put our trust in Jesus, God's going to keep forgiving us, right? And the more that God has to forgive us, the more he forgives us for not honoring him with, his, with our lives, the more people will see how gracious God is. Now, Paul obviously answers this question. He says, no, right? That's ridiculous. But in the way that he answers this question, he, he pulls people, he, he reminds them of what their baptism meant, right? His answer, he, he reminds them of being baptized. And this is what he says. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3, he says, and this is part of his response. Again, remember, he says, no, you don't live your life in sin. You live to honor God. And he says, or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, you were joined with him in death? You see, what, what Paul is, is doing here is he's saying that, that we identify with the death of of Jesus in our baptism, right? I mean, think about what happens in baptism. At Alpine Church, when you're baptized, you'll be lowered, right? You're going to get into this tank full of water. You're going to be lowered below the water, right? When Jesus gave his life on the cross, he died on that cross, and he was taken down, and he was buried. He was put in the tomb. You see, and it's Jesus' death and resurrection that, that signified the end, to, the end of sin, the defeat of sin, the death of sin. And Paul wants people to identify that when we put our trust in Jesus, we buried our old sinful nature with Jesus. In the same way that Jesus was buried 
We buried our sinful nature when we put our trust in him. And when we're baptized, that's what this is symbolizing. We're going below the water, burying our sinful nature, identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. It was a physical death for Jesus. We're not talking about a physical death for ourselves, but a symbolic death of our sinful nature. You see, when you're being baptized, you're joining Jesus in his death. His death that saved us in the death of our sinful nature. You know, not only does baptism identify us with, with Jesus, it also identifies us with others that have put their trust in Jesus. Right? The Bible describes us as, as children of God. Right? The, the Bible goal also describes the people that have put their trust in Jesus that, that we are the body of Christ here on earth. The body of Christ here on earth. And as we all participate in this baptism, symbolizing this truth, this transformation in our lives, we're identifying with one another. It's not for denominations or a church from this area or a church from that area, but that we are all part of the body of Christ. That we're all part of the body of Christ. You know, lastly, I believe that baptism is an outward symbol of an inward reality. You see, baptism is an outward symbol of the transformation that has taken place in our hearts and in our life when we put our trust in Jesus. Paul says this in Romans, continuing from the, the last verse that we read. He says, for we died and were buried with Christ in baptism. Again, remember, we died. We didn't die physically, but our sinful nature died. We put our sinful nature to death. We put it in the grave. And then he goes on to say, and just as Christ was raised from the dead... By the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. I mean, do, do you see the, the imagery in baptism, right? That it, it, it captures the, our, our pursuit of God. It, it, it captures exactly what is happening to us when we put our trust in Jesus, right? That We've, we've acknowledged that we're sinful, that we can't fix the problem, that only through Jesus can it be fixed. We put our trust in him and we bury that sinful nature going under the water. And then after that sinful nature is buried, remember, Jesus didn't stay dead, right? Three days later, Jesus rose from the grave, defeating the power of sin and death. And we are raised up out of the water 
right? And, and what do we say? Buried with Christ and raised in newness of life. I mean, it's, it's talking about that, that, that new life you have in Jesus. That transformation of you being transformed from the inside out into the image of Christ. But you see, it's important that we understand that this isn't a transformation. We didn't raise up out of the water into this new life in our own power, right? It's not like the Bible is like some, some self-help book that we just apply the principles to our lives and all of a sudden we have a new life, right? It, what does it say? It says, that the power of the Father, he was raised to life by the power of God. You see, it's this same power, right? The, the God who created the universe, the God who created marvels that we can't even see, the God who created extraordinary things, the God who raised Jesus out of the grave, that's the same power that's alive and has raised you and freed you from the power of sin in your life when you put your trust in Jesus. It's that same power that's alive and working in you. The power of God transforming you, empowering you to live a life that honors God. You see, baptism symbolizes everything that Jesus promised. Everything Jesus promised us when we put our trust in him is symbolized in baptism. Death to the sinful nature, raised in new life, a new creation, a new life empowered by God himself to honor God. Baptism can be confusing sometimes. But I want you to remember these, these things on, on baptism. But I want you to know that if, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, I want you to know that he died for you. That God wants a relationship with you. And all it takes is believing him with the right information and the right attitude. That you can't save yourself. So he came down to do the work. Do you trust him? And when you put your trust in him, get baptized. Maybe today you're, you've been a Christian, you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, but, but you haven't been baptized yet. Maybe it was, you know, kind of worrying that, that maybe you weren't, somehow weren't good enough. Your life doesn't measure up. Well, it doesn't matter. Maybe you thought there was a time frame that you had to wait. It doesn't matter. There is no time frame. Maybe you felt like you've only been at Alpine for 
a little bit of time and you've got to be here a little bit longer. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters, the only qualification to being baptized is putting your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. If you've done that, I want to encourage you, take that step of obedience and honor God by being baptized. There'll be some leaders up front. We'd love to talk to you how you can do that right here at Alpine Church. I just want to encourage you, take that step, honor God with your life, and join us for the coming weeks as we continue to explore what honoring God with our life is all about. Will you pray with me? Father, we, we exalt you, and Lord, we give you praise for being a, a righteous and holy God. Father, a, a God who sought us out, a God who desired a relationship with us, and a God who made a way for that relationship to be possible. And Father, I pray that if there's people here that don't know you, Father, my prayer is that you would move in their hearts and reveal your truth to them and that they would put their trust in you for the forgiveness of their sins. And Father, for those that have put their trust in you, Lord, I pray that, we would, that you would stir in us the desire to honor you with our lives. Father, that we would pursue you and glorify you. In the name of Jesus, amen.